welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create your own MFR business, how to have one and what to do to get started. Each week, we will discuss practical ways to create a business that keeps you from under-earning and burning out. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Over 10 years ago, I decided to change my massage practice to MFR only. I became fully booked and have enjoyed years of success helping people to get out of pain and return to active lifestyles. I'm here to help you do it too, even if you live in a tiny town and even if you've never had a business before. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. I am your host, Heather Hommel, and I have... It's a double Heather kind of day today. I have my friend Heather Colin on the podcast today. She recently has gone through an experience with a health crisis in her family. And so I wanted to talk to her about how that experience is affecting her as an MFR therapist, as a wife and what the experience is like for her husband, who is the person going through this illness. So Heather, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Heather. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Let's get going with this. Tell us like what's going on. What has happened? So my husband, who is... um, Well, I don't think he minds me telling all the personal information. He's (laughs) 51 years old and no medical history at all. In about maybe May of this year, he started experiencing some what you would call very mild acid reflux. So of course, he went down the path of thinking that's what it was. As it progressed and got worse, we got more serious testing done by... I'm just cutting it short. He got diagnosed with um, stage four esophageal cancer in officially, officially the first week of November this year. So that's like pretty shocking to find out that news. Like he is totally healthy. Like, I mean, from what I know of Jim, like skiing, but like not just skiing, like black diamond skiing, you know, on a Tuesday, because that's what we do. And like (laughs) hardcore bike riding and camping. And like your family is always going on these vacations that I'm like, I would probably need six naps in order to stay up, you know, keep (laughs) up with you guys. So, so yeah, so that's shocking. Yep. He's, um, you know, mountain climber, rock climber, um, unusually really good endurance, particularly at high altitudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and really that's like where he gets his kind of life source energy is from being outside, working his body, feeling good spiritually, but also physically and really nothing else in his history. So, yeah. so this is, was a shock as we learn more and more about it. It's not that uncommon. Um, unfortunately, it's getting more and more common in young, healthy people. So we're beyond the shock now. Okay. <laughs> but you know, when I tell the story, I can see people's eyes going, "Oh, this is me. I have a little reflex. I have, right. you know." So I can tell people start going into that shock phase of, "Whoa, wait a minute." So there's a lot of reflecting on your own self through this. So we've moved on to the treatment phase, which is, I think, more of including the myofascial release, what we want to talk about today. Um, And, you know, we've never been immersed in the medical system until now. Mm -hmm. Really very, very little in our entire family. And it's slow. It's real slow. The only way my husband really got diagnosed was he got admitted to the emergency room. (laughs) And then things went fast. So it was the slow waiting game. And we think we kind of know what this is. It's really serious. Oh, maybe it's not serious. And then maybe it is serious. And then a lot of waiting. 
And now that he's in the treatment phase, it's boom, 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 boom. Let's do this, 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 let's go, 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 go. And so moving towards healing now, which is a way better place to be. Right. So tell me, like, what is it like to experience that? Like your life is one thing one day and then it's totally different reality the next day. You get a diagnosis of stage four cancer and then start to take off. Like, what is that like? And also, what do you think your experience is of it because you're an MFR therapist, like what is your brain thinking, like hearing this information? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I can tell my husband's point of view was he thought he was in a movie and he was going to wake up and it was going to all be fake for a good month, I would say, where it didn't seem real. How could this be happening to him? He takes care of himself. He's healthy. He doesn't know of anything that could have caused this in his life. So it can't be him. You know, that's your brain. That's your left brain going, this can't happen to me. Yeah. I tend to live a little more in the right brain all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I'm already in a state, well, things happen sometimes and we have no idea. We have no control over it. We can't explain it. Our body is constantly fighting things off that we don't even know about. And we don't try to explain those things because they don't happen. Yeah. So now we have this like legitimate thing that is happening in, in his body And we're at a little different phase. It's his body. And he's really trying to keep it all in the left brain and explain it where I already tend to be the other way. And it's not in my body, but I'm living it with him. Yeah. So you go through the shock first, denial. (laughs) And then, you know, you get told a lot of things. It's fear-based medicine. Cancer's fear and stage four is fear. You know, it's weird. We were hoping for stage three. Currently, they're kind of staging it. The doctors are saying it's really stage three and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One tiny little speck that caused it to go over that. And then you just go, okay, let's just listen to my body. you know. And I saw my husband go through this, go, well, I'm just going to sit in my body and go, something is really not in balance. And I'm going to try to listen to my body in a different way than fear. And that's already started to happen with him. Um, yeah. He's had a lot of myofascial release work done. So it's not new to him to transition or to be okay going away from fear and trying to listen to your body a different way. Yeah. So that's where he is now. And it's, you know. So you and I were talking, Heather and I are good friends. Like Heather's my Sedona travel buddy. Like she's my (laughs) MFR partner. Like we go everywhere together. Almost all the seminars we met through another therapist go to seminars. So we talk all the time, right? And we were talking the other day and you something you were saying was like really... It just struck me as really beautiful when you were talking about like cancer being fear, but you were learning how to think about it in a way where you could... I don't know, was it... Were you saying like energetically love it or accept it or like... you? It was like you were melting it in a way like with your emotions, like mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. you were thinking about it. Do you remember what we were talking about? Not specifically, but I know I've talked about that with a lot of people lately. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I, not your I special have... friend. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it came from working with another client who had breast cancer that had metastasized to her back, and she was an MFR therapist as well. And I remember treating her. Oh, I would treat her for hours. It was amazing to, as a therapist to treat someone. She was basically paralyzed. Um, but could unwind. And so her legs would move. And it was so freeing for her to be able to move in that way, unwinding, that it was just such a cool experience to be a, a part of that. And I remember she said to me, I have never allowed myself to feel fear. 
And now that's all I fear. This cancer is fear. And what she was saying was it was all of the fear she never let herself feel in her life was basically being stored up in her body and created this crazy imbalance that now, now she was overwhelmed with fear. Yeah. And so, you know, I started realizing that the processes going on in our bodies, there, there's always an emotional component. And sometimes that is the biggest component. And mm-hmm. we usually can label what's going on in our, our bodies as an emotion. Yeah. And cancer is right, black and dark and dehydrated and death, right? Cellular death. And then we go, well, we're just going to kill it, right? We're <laughs> going to kill it and remove it. We're going to cut it out. But it is part of your body. Your body process allowed this to happen somehow. And so I think recognizing what that emotion is, is going, well, what do you do with fear, right? If your child is scared, what do you do? If your child is scared, you hug them. Mm -hmm. You give them as much love as you possibly can. You treat that tissue as the emotion and it can shift how your body responds. Once you start loving it's basically you start loving the cancer, mm-hmm. which sounds like that's not what you're usually told, right? It's you're not like, loving that you have the cancer, like, no. I mean, but you are like not disassociating with that part of your body or making it mean anything has really gone wrong. Like something's gone wrong. Like a system is haywire, but like, why is it haywire? And yeah, what, or maybe know? those cells actually need more love than they've ever received before. Yeah. So then hopefully those cancer cells will listen and go, oh, yeah. like I'm getting supported. I'm a part of this whole body that has a million bazillion healthy cells mm-hmm. and we're going to work together to create better balance. So what is really beautiful is what we have a Caring Bridge site set up and Jim's been reluctant to post on it. And when I post on it, it's very, this happened today and this happened today. Mm-hmm. And it's very much kind of a list, but he wrote on it today and it was about, he's been doing a lot of reading, a lot of reading about cancer. And one of the things that stuck with him is about how cancer can be a gift. And that is not when he read it, you know, a month ago or so, he didn't really understand that or really yeah, think was that like, was... like, what kind of gift is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he even said, is this some kind of hippy dippy thing that like, you know, yeah, like totally. it's not really a real thing, but it's evolved into his kind of understanding, like you change how you feel about yourself. Yeah. So it can shift you into maybe a more balanced state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that makes so, so, much, so that's pretty that cool. makes so yeah. much sense. So, okay. So he is like experiencing himself, like his world in a different way. Whereas like a mm-hmm. month ago, he was like, what is this kind of bullshit book? And now he's mm-hmm. like, this book makes sense. Right. And it's the things that kind of stuck with him in the books. Like he kept thinking about that. Like cancer is a gift, really. He can't get it kind of out of his mind. So he kind of knew that was a thing he should be addressing or or looking into. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you have a caring bridge site. And then also like what some of Jim's favorite activities are like riding bike and all that. So he you had a friend that set something up special for him to get a special bike. Well, and that's what kind of started. You know, most of us in our lifetime aren't really taught to show our emotions in the moment. At least I wasn't in my family. Yeah. And he got real overwhelmed. Jim is a very happy, energetic, loving person that has yeah, a billion friends that like you even talk to for 20 years and then he gets together with them and they're just best friends again. And yeah. he's fun to be around. And 
so many people stepped up when his friend started a GoFundMe page for an e-bike because he doesn't have the energy. He's going through chemotherapy right now and doesn't have the energy to, to bike very far at all. Occasionally he'll, he'll be able to do a short bike ride and it's, it's very therapeutic for him. He likes to bike to a view and look out over. We live by the water and just look at how beautiful things are. And he has like spiritual moments with it. So yeah. it's really, really important to him. And within two days, he almost had enough money for an e-bike. Like it happened really, really quick. So that's so cool. Is that um, fundraiser? Like, are they going to keep that open? Yeah, until there's an, he's real close to having enough for okay. one. So it's probably well, going to close. I mean, it might be a great idea just to keep it open and let people donate and maybe he needs something yeah. else. Yeah, I know? don't know. His friend, he has, a, he has a group of guys that he bikes with on Wednesdays and he used to call it his therapy yeah, and you can't like go and get like burgers and beers and stuff, and like yeah. it's the same people. Yeah, and they would just—it was more about spending time with this yeah. group of men than it was about the bike ride. But it was the bike ride. Too. Yeah, it's the bike ride. <laughs> I mean, the bike ride is the the vessel or the reason they get to leave the house or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and he okay, feels well, good. for people that are listening. I'm gonna just—I'll say this again at the end, but I'm gonna put a link in the show notes if you're okay with that. With so, if anyone listening can also donate to. The fundraiser, I think that is just such a beautiful thing to be able to be a part of, even if people don't know you, you know, people yeah. that are listening that feel moved. Oh, yeah. So if that's okay. What's been that. so great is he's a teacher. And so like past parents of students are donating and they write a little message in there about you're such an inspiring teacher. And my daughter yeah. still talks about you. And yeah. and so he's that, so he got overwhelmed. Yeah. And he... He starts crying. He gets emotional about it. He didn't realize on a daily basis how many lives he touched. And yeah. that is what he's being able to feel now with this. So again, is cancer the gift for him to be able to feel that, right? Right. Well, and I think you've talked about this before, like about what a hard worker he is and like how much like sick time he had because he just literally was never sick and never took yeah. a day off and like work, work, yeah. work, right? Not because yeah. he felt obligated to work, but because he really thought... I love my students and I love my job and I so willing to be there. And now yeah. he's had to take a leave of absence from work, from teaching. Yeah. 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 How's that going? Well, it's actually, you know, that's when he started taking care of himself more. He was really going downhill fast, trying to work and going through this, you know, with esophageal cancer, eating is the hardest part. <laughs> and so they don't allow you time to eat. And he was wasting away. Yeah. yeah. And so that now he can take care of himself, you know, and he can reflect on things and wondering, you know, as a teacher, teachers take on a lot. They yeah. take on, particularly in the last few years. And um, he does love his students and he does care about them. And it's those teachers sometimes that really it's too much on a daily basis with everything that's required of them. You know, yeah, and all they really want to do is connect and teach the kids. But there's there's so much now. Right. There's twenty, you know, twenty different other things outside of the classroom that have to happen. And when you're someone that takes it all on without asking for help, it's too much. So it's been good to reflect for him. He takes care of himself now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, he doesn't have a choice, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Choice well, now before. it's like sometimes, yeah, you don't get a choice, and then all of a sudden yeah. you're handed the gift of cancer, and that is your choice to then. Yeah. take care of yourself. Let's talk a little bit about what the... So he's gone through... He's had a couple of doses of chemo now. Do you call mm -hmm. it a round? What do you call it? They do because it's a two-week cycle. It's kind okay. of a cycle. So he's had two um, cycles of chemo. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And you were telling me about you're treating him. He's getting a lot of treatment. Like what's the experience mm-hmm. been like with him getting the chemo and getting MFR at the same time? Like, how was he doing? Well, it's a hard thing to go into a chemo treatment with hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is hope, but you're also getting chemicals shot into your body that are, you know, are scary. killing healthy cells too, right? Yeah. It's scary and hopeful at the same time, which is really weird to experience. And he does a two-day drip with the chemo. So he, and I, they've done research and that's the best therapeutic dose because apparently chemo leaves your body quicker than I thought it did. And so the drip continues that level to be high enough to actually kill the cancer cells. So in those two days, I don't treat him and he doesn't get treatment. He's attached to a pump. So, you know, it feels gross. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But the doctors have okayed him to get it. It's not a contraindication, which I did learn. It was a contraindication back in PT school. you like, you didn't really mess with cancer with manual therapy of any kind or any kind of soft tissue work. So you've been told because like, there's no danger yeah. in doing this, like get as much manual therapy as you want. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The I oncologists have thing. told I just want to yeah. like reiterate that for anyone that's listening. Like if you right. have this fear of treating people with cancer, you're going to spread it. Like that's not true. No, that's not how our cells work. The cancer is already at such a high metabolic metabolic rate that it is doing that itself. Yeah. What you're doing with the myofascial release is you're opening, you're opening up his entire body and all of his cells so that they can connect. And that includes the healthy cells that have the oxygen, that have the blood flow. That, that can clean that all can, the cancer cells. Right. Yeah. And so you're not creating an environment that you're going to create more cancer. Yeah. I mean, we just... Sense. It's just that's a yeah. fear-based. Yeah. Someone had a thought about it. And yeah. Yeah. I read something somewhere too, like about how the fascial system, when tightened down, it almost like creates like this, like ricochet pattern, like that actually does spread cancer. Like when you have tightened fascia, because it can just shoots its like, I don't know if that's like a good description of it, but it like, it bounces it around your body because it's tight and it's, you know, it's not like absorbing the cells that are coming at it. It's like ricocheting mm-hmm. them off. So then they're going to different areas of the body. That's a really bad way to describe <laughs> that and not medical. This is not a medical advice show, ladies and gentlemen. But do you know what I mean? Like it's... No, I, I know. I think a different way to describe it is when your cells are open and healthy, they're very fluid. There's a lot of cellular exchange. You Something enters your body and those healthy cells know what to do, right? But if those cells are already restricted, they don't have enough oxygen, there's not enough blood flow, there's not cellular exchange, your body can't handle things. So something enters your body, whether it's physical trauma, a chemical, emotional trauma, I don't, who knows, who knows? Nobody really knows how cancer is created in the body. Yeah. (laughs) But your body can handle it most of the time. Right. You know, it's getting rid of cancer in most healthy people, like getting rid of cancer every day, like some sort right. of cancer causing pathogen or what, or disease right. process. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's basically what our bodies are meant to do is yeah. to we're keep us in balance. We're self-repairing machines. Right. But so we, sometimes yeah. that doesn't happen. And that's what you want to look at is the environment that created something where you can't fight it off. Right. So. so there's two days where he's getting the chemo drip and those two days you don't treat him mostly because it's just like he's like hooked up to a machine and feeling gross. What yeah. about the other days? Like what is his treatment kind of? Well, like? since he... Results been? So I have put him on my schedule. <laughs> I love it. And then I have a wonderful, wonderful MFR community here who currently he's being seen by free. <laughs> 
<laughs> and even though we continually try to pay her, mm-hmm. which we will, we will figure out a way. <laughs> Anyways, she about once or twice a week is seeing him. I, I think it's mostly my request because it's intense to treat your own life partner who you well, love. Yeah. I mean, and this. I think too, like you need to, this is just mother Heather coming out. Like you need to make sure that you right. are a priority for you too, which I think is really right. hard when your spouse and the love of your life, the father of your kids is, you know, suffering a medical emergency, you know, cancer. Yeah. It's yeah. scary. But it is so, so beneficial for him that I have learned. So what I do is I just am able to think of him and treat him like I do my clients. So I, I separate during that time and I don't get too involved in making things happen because when it's yeah, someone you, you know it. and love, you kind of want it to happen more, For I would sure. say. Or, and I that, get like that when I treat my kids, I'm like, why aren't yeah. they on my, like, why isn't this happening fast enough? Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. And that drive to want to make it happen actually isn't very therapeutic. So you no. have to step back. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I've been able to do it. I told him that if I can't do it, then I wouldn't treat him. Like if I feel like I'm not doing yeah. well myself or something like that, yeah. then I just wouldn't you know, take a break. Yeah. But that hasn't happened so, so far. That's so good. So he's getting treated um, like two or three times a week right now. Oh, probably more. I would say on a non-chemo week, it's every day. Wow. Yeah. And so then what, um, like, how is he doing with the chemo? Do you think it's helping him? Is he having like, what's... Um, yeah. So what he'll notice with the chemo and, you know, it was his choice to do the traditional chemo almost because every single person he met with said, yes, when you're into the stage four, I can't say that. You can't dismiss the fear. I mean, if he was going to continue and not do chemo, the fear of actually dying was there. (laughs) Yeah. So he's decided to do a combination of both. Kind of the traditional, real intensive, invasive, harsh treatment to kill it, but also other supportive or I don't even want to say supportive because I think they're actually doing way more than just supporting therapeutic healing yeah. So myofascial release has been the one thing he feels real sick and weak, he said normally, right? And then he has a treatment and he's like, all of a sudden I, I feel powerful. I have my power back. That says a lot for coming from someone who's like on a feeding tube and who's lost like 20 yeah. pounds, right? Right, right. And he has lots of good imagery he's using. And, you know, for him in particular, it's about he visualizes these soldiers and the cancer is the soldiers fighting. And then the soldiers look weak and beat down and horrible. And then he has this vision of them all of a sudden lifting and their faces start to smile and they put down their weapons and they become, they look like they're wearing white now. Wow. (laughs) It becomes like a bright light and that makes them feel powerful. Yeah. That's so um, beautiful. Like it's so amazing to have that experience. Like yeah. that's his experience of yeah. cancer. And that's so it's amazing. this it's this combination, right? The chemo coming in, blah, killing everything, mm-hmm. including healthy things. Mm-hmm. But he can feel it, he's able to get food down better. So he's wants the chemo to work. So he's trying to help Allow his body accept the chemo. Yeah. As you know, he visualizes it going to the tumor. And during the myofascial release sessions, that really helps him too. And he can even visualize the shape of the tumor, projections coming out of it, where they're going. And he's trying to, it's like bringing light and health and healthy cellular exchange to that tumor. So not like turning his back on what's happening in his body. He's just like, I'm in here with you. Like, 
you're a part of me. I see you. Right. And also like, I would like for you to leave. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to resisting it. Right. Like just like, I see you over there. That just gives me goosebumps because it's such a different experience than, you know, that, and not everybody that doesn't know MFR is going to experience constant fear with cancer. Right. I can't say that, but like, just to have this opportunity to, know that the supportive care, which could actually be the thing that's really getting him through the cancer, which could is MFR mm-hmm. in conjunction with this heavy powered chemo, but like having this experience where there is less fear and that there's moments of love and light and warmth and just like a different perception of who you are and like who you are in the world. Like it's just so beautiful versus Mm -hmm. it's dark Mm -hmm. and scary and we're all going to die. And I mean, we're all going to die Mm -hmm. eventually. Mm -hmm. Most of us don't think about it. Right. This really puts it in your face. Right. And he's moved beyond and I've moved beyond this too, because this is typically like a 75 to 80 year old lifetime smoker disease is what, when you look it up, but then when you talk to people, it is actually not always that. So like any other really, disease, right? Right. That's what we like to believe because I'm not the smoker and I'm not 80 years well, old. And it's and so almost like a... you can just say like, well, you got that because you deserved it too. Right. 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 Which is terrible. Right. Because nobody, nobody deserves, deserves it. Nobody deserves it. Right? Like no matter what we do, like we're all just humans, humaning and like we make choices, right? Some people yeah. smoke. Yeah. Some people do all of the right things and like you can do all the right things. You still die at the end. Yeah. Right. And we don't get to choose when that is all the time, right? We don't get to no, choose our most path. Most of the today. time, never. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. hopefully the path is life until that moment, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's been a really great for me as well to just watch. It's, it's hard to see. It's a roller coaster, right? He's not yeah. always feeling this beautiful light and power no. and all this. And you watch the emotional part where he goes down, down, down. And I jump on and join him because mm. I'm living with him and I love him. And, mm. and then I go, wait. This is his body, you know, it's been great for me to learn that like connecting, I tend to be a little bit too much jumping into someone else's, you know, stuff. So it's been great for me to realize like I can still connect and have great sessions with, with my clients, with him by being in the better balance and not over exerting or over I say jumping into other people's. Yeah, you have to be in the pool. You can just sit on the edge. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're able to support people better, I think. Totally. With whatever they're going through. So I've had great sessions. I'm working. I've had great sessions with my other clients because I think it's helping me as a therapist realize where I can be in a more healthy state. Mm-hmm. with them so yeah because you and i kind of talked about that in the beginning like i was like well are you going to keep working like do you think you should take time off like what is the best picture for your health right mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. it's one of you being one of my best friends like my concern is for you like i love yeah. him but also like as a friend watching like you don't want your friend to suffer anymore like i can't do anything about this right right nobody can yeah. And actually what I've learned, I've never been in the situation, but everybody says, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. There's like, no answer. Can you take that cancer away? Like, do you have some magical powers? Yeah. And it's so wonderful that people want to help all the time. People have helped us set up our house because you can't lay flat and they've helped us do yard work and they've helped mm-hmm. us with meals. Like That is like sending your love and, I, and that is great. But when someone says, what can I do for you? All right, a little drain for you to have to come up with what you need. It's a blank. It's a blank. 
<laughs> and I don't want to be responsible for telling people what they can do either. I just like, I don't know. What do you, okay. <laughs> so let's educate people, right? Because people just don't know, like they're well-intentioned and they could be draining you more. I know I'm guilty of this. Like, just tell me whatever you need and I'll yeah. help out. Right. Yeah. So maybe it's just like making the effort to just decide that you're going to make a meal and just bring it over. Like don't yeah. ask permission, just drop it off. Or like for anyone that's interacting with someone that's going through a health crisis, don't ask before you act, just go ahead and do whatever you were thinking of. And like, you can put the meal in the freezer or you can save it for company or whatever. Like it's not, it has to be perfect in order for it to be acceptable. Well, and everybody has their own kind of gift that is so easy to give. Like my example is this woman who I'm friends with, but she's not in my like closest, closest circle of friends, but she's also a nurse that works an hour away. So in her experience, she's heard probably people complain of the drive, right? And we were driving down to Seattle all the time. And she said, well, let me know if you want to ride because I have the next three days off. And we were going to, I, that was when Jim was an inpatient and I was going back and forth every day. And I thought, well, that, I don't need that. Why would I need someone to drive me? I'm totally capable of driving. And I thought, Except you're exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but I hadn't entered my mind. And that yeah. was, she didn't say, what can I do for you? She just offered this one thing. And I, in the morning, I'm getting ready to go. It's pouring rain. It's dark. It's like horrible flooding. Like we had these floods here, right? And yeah. I remember like, talking to you when you were driving home one of the nights and I was like, ah, <laughs> it's happening. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to drive down there alone. And I called her and I said, is that still, is that still available? And she said, yep, I'm ready anytime. Totally. And she drove and it was awesome. That's and, so cool. What an awesome person to yeah. just be like, this is totally something I can do. Right. And, and so also that, that's awesome great. for you to, I think the hardest thing is like accepting the help. Right. Right. Cause you're oh, like, I, I even... should be able to drive. Like I'm totally capable. Right. But just having that moment know. where you're like, Oh, right. I maybe could like rest and just have some comfort and support the whole way down. Right. Like that's awesome. Well, and also I didn't think I needed it. I didn't have awareness that that was something that might help me. Every day was new, right? Like yeah, I've yeah. never experienced this before. Yeah. And then sometimes don't even say, what can I do to help? You just say, well, I'm here. I'm here, you know, and then you can go home <laughs> and really have a meltdown if you, you know, you're someone, your friend or your loved one is going through. Obviously you're going through it too, right? Like yeah. I understand these people really care about Jim and it's like my cup's not as full as it used to be. So I don't have as much awareness of other people's feelings either. And I don't want to be responsible for their shock. They're in shock, which we've moved through. So it seems insensitive, but I'm just like, okay, well, I'm so glad you're there. And I know you're there. Yeah. And that's where I have to leave it right now. Cause now I have to go, you know, set up some tube feeding. (laughs) Yeah. I know you. I gotta go. I, I gotta go set up a tube feeding. It's like a war zone in my house. Yeah. Uh, but, but I do really want to reiterate the whole myofascial release in cancer. I haven't had a whole lot of experience seeing people living with cancer and treating them. Yeah. But I have. I have had a handful of clients. And it's a whole different level when not just cancer, but when you're diagnosed with something that's considered could kill you, right? Mm-hmm. I think we go into a different state of mind where it's in your face and it's not like, oh yeah, I could die in 20 years. It's like, oh, this could happen really soon. So I need to, I think, you know, we learned about it in some classes where something shifts. Yeah. Right. You know, like a client I had who was suicidal 
And I asked her, how did it shift where you didn't die? Really? Like what happened there? And she explained this whole thing of how something pulled her out. It was this other course, this other, she said, I was in an altered state Mm -hmm. and something pulled me back. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you know, how you get to that point, but then you start to kind of connect in a different way to yourself. And I think when you're diagnosed with cancer, it's very similar. You're starting to go, what's this whole other part of me that you can't see? And it's like an energetic force and it's driving, it's out of our control and it's something driving you to where you need to go. And you just let go and let it happen. Yeah. I don't know if that's it's making like any that sense at all. It's like that best for life in a different way, right? It's like when there's right. that knowing that your life could end, like when it's like right in your face, you mm-hmm. probably everything tastes different. Everything mm-hmm. smells different. Everything mm-hmm. sounds like your perception of your world around you is so much more intense. I imagine. Right. right. So when you are releasing fascial cells, which is your source of life (laughs) happening. Mm -hmm. I am a very visual person. I actually visualize these cells exchanging oxygen and healing and energy, electric energy, light energy, every energy. And that, that is life. I imagine, although I haven't been where my husband is now, I imagine that that is a very, very powerful feeling. Um, the power is almost needed more when you know there's cells in there that are are going the other way. Yeah. That need support, need help, need it all more. And so it's emotional, which I don't think you can heal without going to the emotional component. I really don't think that's possible. It's just partial. And it's, I don't know how to describe it. There's no words for it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Jim yeah. becomes an e- Jim becomes an eagle in treatment a lot, and that makes him that's power, right? He says yeah. wings feel powerful. His cells are opening up. He, you know, when you see him going the other way during the day, kind of hunches over and he gets kind of little, and he, <laughs> and then you see all these cells opening up, and he becomes this powerful living being. Yeah. I think that's such I, a good. I imagine as like I'm an eagle, right? <laughs> Right. No. You know, and we learn about our power animals and whatever gives you power, like, well, stay in that place. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. as much as I can, I'm trying to help him get MFR. I know every day would be too much for me to be the therapist. Yeah. For him. So, luckily, and I have a couple other friends that have reached out and they're going to start in too. So, that's so cool. You have such a um, good community there in Bellingham where you live, like of MFR therapists and friends and, you know, yeah. you've really built up. I mean, you're a leader in that community for MFR therapists, whether you know it or not, I'm telling you. So <laughs> <laughs> you have a sticker, you know, but because you keep going with your business, because you built what you've built and other people have seen that and they want it, to, you know, want to do it too. And you're like mm-hmm. an a evidence of what's possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah, that's the thing. We really don't know what's possible. When we were talking about Jim getting malfascia released during all this, I I like to leave it up to him. I wasn't going to treat him if he didn't want it. Right. I didn't think. But most of the studies, most of the medical advice you get, most of the treatment doesn't really include someone getting malfascia released at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So you're not really included in the norm of cancer if you are doing something else that is putting you in something that's never been studied, you know, the opportunities and the the potential is like kind of limitless really. So you just get to feel right. You get to feel, whereas like I feel 
a lot of times in our traditional medicine, they take away the feeling part. Yeah. And what if that's the most important part? Yeah. <laughs> and it's if? scary and it's yucky to feel cancer. It's horrible, right? It's not mm. fun. It's chaotic. It's well, that's the part we don't want to go to. We want to put it in denial. But what if the way to healing is actually connecting and feeling all of the yuck? Mm-hmm. Allowing it all. And then you get to go, oh, I'm listening. I'm listening to you, cancer cells. What do you need? Yeah. And you can do that to anything, any kind of pain, any kind of disease process, right? Yeah. When we I feel stop like you're really slow good at down. That. You've done that for like other injuries yeah. and stuff you've had. And you're like, oh, I was listening to this. And that would yeah. hurt, you know, like yeah. it's just one of your superpowers. But I agree. I think that that's such a cool way to look at it. And it's comforting. Right. Like why I like imagine Jim turning into an eagle. Like I'm like, yeah, of course he does. Yeah. A soaring eagle. Sometimes a little soaring playful eagle. juvenile eagle mm-hmm. too. I do want to say medically. Now, so much of what I'm saying is not medically studied. This is not a <laughs> right. It's not a medical not, advice show. We're not trained. <laughs> we just say what we want because we can. <laughs> we just feel. Yeah. Radiation is a whole nother story though. Mm-hmm. I've been told by the oncologist, but plus I agree. Like when you radiate cancer, it's very specific nowadays and you don't want that radiation to spread. <laughs> so like you want it to stay concentrated. You don't so want the other cells stop. to be a part of the radiation. You want the radiation to go to, they're getting so good at specifically getting the radiation to the cancer cells only. Okay. And at that point, I wouldn't do it on the area that's being radiated, but I, you know, if like the say Jim had a headache and it was far enough away, I probably still would do cranial work or something, but I would not. I would give it the time and every doctor's different about how much time some of them even say not to be very active, like to just kind of keep that cellular level quiet quiet. yeah, (laughs) and let the radiation burn it. It's what it's doing. And then afterwards it's okay. But like, yeah. Why get the radiation if you're not going to direct it to the cancer cell? Yeah. 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 Okay. I think that's a good point. So yeah, it's like two different things, chemo and radiation. And I've, I've heard a lot of stories of people, I think mainly with like breast cancers or lymphomas that have been treated like the entire time with MFR, like while they're going through the chemo and like not missing work and not getting so nauseous and all of these benefits. So yeah, I think yeah. one benefit to having you on here, and I'm just like really thankful that you're willing to share this story, especially because it's very like you're in it, you're going through mm-hmm. this right now, is that you know, an MFR therapist could hear this and decide that they're not afraid of cancer too. They're not afraid to treat someone with cancer. And then maybe they Mm -hmm. know a friend that has it and they're willing to step up and treat them and Mm -hmm. help Mm -hmm. them to have the experience that you're helping Jim have. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you being here today and we'll continue to follow along your story with your story. And, you know, I love you and I love Jim and I'm just thankful for both of you. So Thanks for listening today and for joining in with this talk. I know it's a little more serious than some of the stuff we've talked about before. There's going to be a link in the show notes to Jim's GoFundMe page. And if you feel moved to donate, I say do it. And for anyone that is looking for MFR care in the Bellingham area, I'm also going to have a link in the show notes to Heather's information so you can contact her and get her amazing skills. So I will see you all next week. Thank you, Heather. Coaches podcast. Thank you, Heather. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me this week on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Check out my book, The MFR Coaches Guide to Having Your Own Myofascial Release Business. Autographed copies are available at my website, www.themfrcoach.com. 
Kindle version and print also available on Amazon. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The MFR Coach for more info on today's topic. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.